Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, 2020's thrown all sorts of things, uh, and one that I wouldn't have necessarily expected was that we'd be doing kind of a instant reaction podcast here uh, on the 29th of July, but uh, going to give people just a 25-30 minute look at our immediate thoughts as to the schedule that was released today, what we think of it, uh, what we think will actually happen with it. As always, we'll think Louisiana Hot Sauce, we'll think the For the Table Restaurant Group, the uh, good people at Legendary Home Loans, and then uh, the great support that we received from Travis Johnson. So uh, a tip of the hat to all of our sponsors. And with that, Bud, let's jump into this and see where this instant reaction pod takes us. I, I feel good to be back back in the hot seat on an instant reaction pod, man. It's, it's been a minute. We've not done an instant reaction pod in a while. And you're right. I did not expect that we would be doing uh, <laughs> on July 29th a schedule breakdown of a schedule that just came out. But uh, the ACC doth provide. Indeed, we have some some new schedule things to talk about here uh, because just, let's just give it to everybody that doesn't know. We're going to keep this part short. If you're listening to the show, you probably do know. The ACC did indeed go to a conference-only model. We discussed this uh, a while back. Uh, in the episode, we discussed actually trying to keep divisions and, and play divisional games. You can keep the conference championship game. The ACC instead elected to, to, to actually go uh, to a 10-game conference model plus one uh, non-conference game if you can play it uh, within your state, within the same testing and health guidelines, blah, 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 blah. But basically, they're going to keep the ACC title game. They're going to play a 10-game conference schedule. No divisions this year. It's just the two teams with the best record. Obviously, if you have a tie, then you know head-to-head will control. Uh, oh, and there's a team named Notre Dame who is going to be playing for a conference uh, for the first time in forever. That is actually the biggest news here nationally, but because this is a Florida State podcast, we will not uh, you know, go, go so heavily on Notre Dame, except to note that they are agreeing to split their NBC money uh, with the league this year, which is, which is so nice of them in, in order to, uh, to actually have some scheduling partnerships, which is cool because their games against the Pac-12 and the Big Ten uh, were canceled when those leagues decided to go to the Big Ten. So Florida State normally plays eight conference games. Now they're playing 10, and Notre Dame is a conference opponent. Ingram, hit me, hit me with the rundown. Who stays on the schedule? Who drops off the schedule? And who comes on the schedule as a new person or new team on this schedule? All right, so FSU kept games against Clemson, Pitt, Louisville, Miami, and NC State. It dropped games against, uh, this is kind of the tough part here, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Boston College. Okay. And it added uh, additional contest against Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. And North Carolina, Virginia, and Duke. Okay, there you go. That's quite the whether you declare it year one, year zero, whatever. Uh, good luck to you, Mike Norvell. You have uh, quite the task in front of you. Yeah, I, I think you have a, a, a decent argument now for having the toughest schedule in the league. I, I think I'm actually going to give that honor to, to Wake Forest. I don't know if you, if you caught a look at the Wake Forest schedule. We'll talk about that in a minute. Wake Forest schedule, probably a little bit tougher uh, to my eye at least. But still, th- this is an extremely difficult schedule for Florida State uh, within the league for, for a couple reasons. Number one, you kept pretty much all of your heavy hitters uh, that were on the existing schedule. In fact, I, I think you can make a, a pretty decent argument that the three teams you dropped off your existing schedule were the three worst teams on that schedule, depending on what your, your opinion is, of course, uh, of Wake Forest or NC State. I mean, it might be you, you lost three or worst four from the existing schedule, which on the one hand, cool, you got some better games coming in. On the other hand, eh, you might want some of those guaranteed wins to, in order to have Mike Norvell's tenure is year zero, as I think you so correctly pointed out, 
not be uh, a, a losing campaign or, or, or a more painful campaign than you would like to have happen. Uh, I, I think some of the, the new games, though, are, are really interesting here. So Georgia Tech, uh, the team that I actually project as, as the worst in the league uh, or, or right close to it, should be a win for you. Uh, Notre Dame, probably, in my opinion, the, the second best team in the league. So now you're playing the best team in the league in Clemson, the second best team in the league in Notre Dame. Ingerman, your opinion, Miami 3, UNC 4, Miami 4, UNC 3? Does it even matter? You play them both. You can flip a coin for, for either of them there. I mean, I, I think uh, pretty much universally, depending on where you look, whose power ratings, uh, whatever else you want to look and try to get an idea as comparative rosters, uh, they're almost always within a point or two away from each other. So uh, I think it's a coin flip. Yeah, so in looking at this, uh, you'll be an underdog in probably four games, give or take one. I would think like certainly a dog against Clemson. You'll be a dog against Notre Dame. You'll be a dog uh, at Miami, a dog at Louisville. At least that's what the the odds makers had it before. That that's four, and then North Carolina in Tallahassee. Uh, the, the the odds makers actually don't like North Carolina as much as some of y'all do, and, and some of the national media does. So we'll see about that. Uh, so maybe, maybe four and a half uh, to to five and a half as far as dog favorite, which means you, you still have a decent chance to to get a winning record out of this, and you're going to play a lot of exciting games. I think my concern is, if I have a concern, who are the locks on this schedule now? Because previously, I, I felt really good about Boston College in Tallahassee, right? I, I felt very good about the Syracuse game, and I felt pretty damn good about the Wake Forest game in Tallahassee, even though Wake Forest uh, took down Florida State last year in, in, uh, in Winston-Salem. Who are your locks this year on, on this new schedule? Well, that's what made uh, this afternoon kind of a painful realization for me is you you shipped uh three of your more likely to win games uh and you put another set of them on where really the georgia techs game is the only one you can look at with a uh, in duke i I, want to be fair but yeah the schedule got considerably harder i mean you took off you took off games that we would project as wins and put a lot more on that uh you know if you want to be objectively fair I think you can struggle to project as as, uh, as finding wins when you when you look at those. So it was a, a tough day. Still a young roster, uh, still a young coaching staff. Obviously, it'll be an interesting transition. But uh, I think people gotta gotta look for things that'll maybe be different than wins and losses this year. A really tough situation for the coaching staff. You know, my my biggest reaction today, though. And, well, I'll get to that in a second. I do want to point out the ACC did not single out. Florida State here. It did not try to pick on Florida State. I, I, in fact, I was I'm, tonight. I'm working on an article for 24/7 Sports. You can also see. Uh, did you happen to see what they did to Wake Forest here? So they, they took FSU and Boston College off the schedule. Two games that I'm sure you know Wake thinks it has a pretty good shot to win, and it added to, to Wake's schedule: Notre Dame, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and UNC. Good luck with that, Demon Deacons. <laughs> Really could go two and eight, maybe three and seven. That's that's tough, and that's really just a scheduling change. Uh, Pitt is the other is the other one who I, I think got served a bit of the short end of the stick here. If if you want to claim that, and I don't I don't think he's, he's really trying to do that th- this year. Certainly, uh, Pitt lost Duke, UNC, UVA, so probably three games that they expected to go two and one against. They added Notre Dame. Louisville, NC State, BC, Clemson. Now, you might focus in on the NC State, BC there, and I understand that point. 
probably get get a win, maybe two wins out of that. You also added Clemson, Notre Dame, Louisville. So the best team, second best team, and then probably the number somewhere between the number five and seven team, like the five to seven team in the league. Not not easy. Uh, so no, they didn't just single out Florida State. Yes, Florida State's schedule did have one of the largest jumps in terms of difficulty. I would say you combine that with uh, with playing Florida, man, potentially to, to open the year or potentially to close the year, whatever. We'll see on that. Uh, but that it does. I'm not gonna say I won't project them to have a, you know, a, a bowl game record, but but this this does make it tougher. You, you don't have that FC, you don't have the FCS game or or, or the uh, the cupcake game rather, and you don't have your opener against West Virginia, in which I, I was projecting a win, not a huge win. This does become tougher, uh, but I don't know, man. I'm not down. Like like I know a lot of fans on Twitter are, and Twitter is not reality, and Twitter is usually like, you know, kind of the lunatic fringe, if you will. But I, I'm not down, man. Like my, my reaction when, when we got the schedule today was we got a schedule. Like, like we're going to get the place of ball. It looks like that's, that's awesome. I thought the ACC was going to punt on this and, and kick the can down the road a couple of weeks until they, they had a little more clarity. They, they just came out and said, let's, let's do it. No, it certainly seems like they're, you know, going to throw this kind of gauntlet down there. It's interesting. I imagine we'll probably find out more details over the next two weeks or so. There's certainly some optimism that comes with seeing a schedule and seeing just the, you know, the generic grid that uh, we all love and post on our refrigerator doors and everything else. Hard not to, you know, sway each week with whether or not you think it's going to happen. This was certainly a statement of intent and uh, the conference can do all they can to get these, get this, uh, you know, collective season off the ground and do everything possible to try to get to a championship game. I agree. You want to uh, you want to talk real quickly about some of the like the media implications of this, or just some things that I think will be interesting. So yeah, you down. get Notre Dame into uh, you know an all conference schedule. You certainly have to think that this will be the best season of content that the ACC network could ever dream of putting together. All these games, uh, even the second or third choice game, is still going to let you choose some pretty significant brands. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see how that works out. The collective payout, what does NBC pay Notre Dame? Somewhere in the area of $16 million uh, for their TV deal, it looks like. So if you divide that up per teams in the conference, looks like everybody gets an extra 1.1 or somewhere in that area. So, you know, doesn't erase the 4.5 that you lose by having the West Virginia game taken off the schedule completely. Uh, but it's going to be a fascinating year to watch how this plays out. And it'll, you know, certainly going to be a different media landscape with all these teams rearranging their schedule this late in the process and it'll be uh if we get this season off the ground and if we're spoiled for the entertainment that college football provides us uh it could be a hell of a fall certainly i i, I totally agree man that's, that's a great point by you i also I, I don't think that there's any reason to believe this is going to force notre dame to join a conference permanently I, I don't think that the acc has that leverage i look at this more as a test drive not a car dealership that has pushy sales tactics, just a test drive. Try it out for a league that has a deal to, that says they cannot join another conference until I think 2032, right? What, what, wasn't that the, uh, the, the part of the exclusivity deal they signed? Uh, it's, it's at least a decade from now, I believe, uh, if, if not a little bit longer. Have to check me on that. Maybe, the, maybe Notre Dame says, you know, this, this isn't so bad. We, we kind of like this. Now, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but. Maybe we want to be part of a conference. Hell, what, what if Notre Dame wins the league this year? 
possible. Like maybe that that signals to them, hey, this this, this conference stuff isn't so bad. We, we get not an automatic berth in the playoff, but pretty damn damn close to one. That's that's not so bad. So I I, I kind of like that that element of of this happening uh, for sure. Let me ask you this: circling back to Florida State's schedule, I, I think there's kind of two things here. On the one hand, like the home schedule is is awesome, man. Like that that's a home schedule. I think w- would be a dream. Uh, for which to buy season tickets. Clemson, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt, Virginia. I mean, all teams that I would project to go to a bowl game with the exception of Georgia Tech. Clemson, obviously your national title favorite. North Carolina, kind of an upcoming program that people seem to think is going to be really good. We'll see. You know, Pitt has a lot of, lot of NFL talent on defense. And then with UVA, you get the rematch from last year. I think it's really cool to get that home schedule, and yet I'm kind of bummed in in some ways that not a lot of people are going to get to see it. I can't imagine Florida State having more than like a third full, a third full stadium just just for COVID reasons. Oh, I think uh, I think if you get more than ten thousand people in the stadium, I'd be really surprised at this point. But uh, you know, point regardless, ten thousand, fifteen thousand, twenty five, whatever the the traditional opportunity to uh, enjoy such a home slate is uh is missed for a lot of people and that's uh, just very unfortunate uh and and unlucky in many ways <laughs> we talked about the fact that I, in my opinion I, I think florida state absolutely has the toughest uh schedule in the conference now and i don't think that like i don't think you you'd necessarily like earn credits for taking bad scheduling but maybe, maybe in some kind of strange world, you would think that, uh, or hope that future objections might be listened to and given more legitimacy. Uh, I don't know. I know that in the past, conversations like that have taken place. Uh, maybe if you're Florida State, you're willing to uh, swallow a, a pretty tough pill here, and uh, what you know is going to be a rough season, regardless, with the idea or some kind of future hope that maybe you're. Maybe your uh, arguments listened to with a little bit more validity when it comes to future scheduling. I hope so. I mean that that would that would be that would be nice. I also, if you're Mike Norvell, you got to be thinking, all right, let's just get this thing out of the way. Everybody, I think, should be giving Mike Norvell a pass this year, unless they just come out and go like two and nine or something like that, which I highly doubt is going to happen. Maybe they do get some credit for this for this down the line. Maybe they don't have to go play North Carolina next year, where. You have a UNC team that should be pretty mature and and uh, and maybe one of the conference favorites next year. I also, man, I, I want to say this in the most respectful way possible. Stop whining. Not not you. Just, like, guys, we just got a schedule. We've been operating under the assumption that like we may not even get a season. Now we, we're getting a schedule. It's not a guarantee we have a season, but it is a pretty big step. Like, if you keep some of that 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 old school pe- pessimism that we had yesterday. Yeah, this schedule looks really daunting for Florida State. What do you think the actual odds are they get to play ten or eleven games? Uh, pretty low. I, I think maybe if you look at like some of the things that are written into the schedule as far as the two best teams with conference winning percentage acknowledges that you might have a an uneven situation at the end of the year as far as games played or how many games played. I don't know. I would probably put the number around eight, but we're all just kind of taking educated guesses at this point. I agree, but I think most of the educated guesses what they have in common is that they are uh, leaning towards probably not going to get double-digit games. And it's possible. We're not saying it won't happen. We're just saying there's a lot of skepticism from people in the industry. So 
well, there's just a lot of skepticism out there in general, and I get it, but it doesn't mean like I know the schedule. <laughs> I see it in front of me. Uh, I also know that we may not get to play a single game. We may get to play all 11 of them, but just chatting at everybody who talks about football that oh, it's not going to happen this year is, uh, you know, it may not happen this year, but it's a, it's certainly an argument that all of us understand is out on the table, uh, but we're trying to address it or approach it as though this is going to happen, and hopefully it happens in a safe and responsible manner as possible. To borrow from my friend Stephen Godfrey, using the therapy words, what I, I think, I know, and I suspect, right? This would be, a, I suspect, one. I suspect that you do not have to have a 500 re- record to go to a bowl this year in college football. If we end up having a bowl season, which is in doubt, my thought is that the bowls are probably, because they're cash-strapped, they're, they're probably going to get to pick whoever the hell they want to put in their game. And if Florida State has played a murderer's row schedule and they're sitting there at five and six, or hell, even four and seven, maybe some stuff goes wrong. Assuming that they even get to play those 11 games, which we just said we kind of doubt. And you got the Citrus Bowl or whomever, and they want to take a local team as opposed to having to like travel a team that might not travel well anyway and, and might not do big TV ratings. I bet you that this year, the bowls are going to be able to do really whatever the heck they want. So I ultimately, I think fans out there should be happy about this. No, this is not a favorable schedule to, to Florida State. Yes, it is. They are one of, I think, six or seven teams whose schedule became tougher uh, than it than it was prior. And I, I don't think there's any way around that. But ultimately, I kind of like doing it. I'm interested to see this where this team is. Six wins and uh, unmitigated success. Would you agree? Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. It, yeah, if you get if you go six and five, a lot of reason for optimism, a lot of lot of reason for excitement. So if you go six and five, let's just say hypothetically here, Ingram, let's say the, the wins that you're real confident you're getting there are what NC State, UVA, Duke, Georgia Tech. So that's four. That means you have won two of the following remaining games: Clemson, Pitt, Louisville, Miami, Notre Dame. North Carolina, Florida. If you take care of business in the four that I named and then you pull two of those upsets, I think this fan base is doing backflips. Agreed? Complete agreement there. Absolutely. Especially if yeah. you if you manage to go seven and four. Then that's like, oh my God. Oh, well, which, I mean, yeah, seven and four, we're throwing parades. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, seven and four would be, yeah, remarkable. Remarkable. Should we know, by the way, that we don't even know like which players are going to play for the, for these teams, including our own? Tonight, Caleb Farley, probably the best cornerback in the ACC, announced that he will not play uh, this year. Uh, he had his mother passed away from from cancer uh, some time ago, and uh, he's just going to focus and train on the draft. I do not think that Caleb Farley is going to be the last of these guys, and I think you could actually see some on Florida State's team too. So, what we think of these teams right now? It might not be the same as what we think of these teams or your own team a week from now, two weeks from now. We, we, we just, there's a whole lot that we don't know, but I, I, this is a trend that I didn't really see coming. And then the more I heard about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this actually might happen even if we don't play spring games. Cause I, I really thought it was going to be spring only. Of uh, this may, I would say this has maybe been brewing under the surface for a little while and then starting to, starting to come about. It'll be interesting to, interesting to look at. Talented kid, like I said, one of the better players at his position. 
and uh, would be shocked if if he's not the uh, the last significant player in the ACC to make such a, a similar decision. Real quickly, you want to talk about a, a fellow Virginia product that's no longer on the roster? Yeah, let, let's let's do that. Uh, this time, the rumors are real. I, is is probably the best way I can put this. I I, I got a tip uh, that uh, that LeBourne was was off the team. That's that's Ken LeBourne, former five star recruit guy who committed with the big Seminole logo on the hood of the Lamborghini at the opening uh, many years ago. Came to Florida State. Promising young career, always kind of had some issues, not criminal issues, just can't get it together type issues. Ends up getting hurt against Virginia Tech in, in, in the, yeah, that was Vatech, right? In the opener of uh, 2018. I don't, I don't think he was ever quite the same, but, uh, but now he's off the roster for a violation of team rules or, or policy, whatever you want to call it. There's not a whole lot of team rules and policies you can violate right now. So, you guys can kind of guess at whichever one you think that was. It's certainly a blow, less of a blow now that your transfer from Texas A&M is eligible, though. Yeah, uh, it's like you said, this time the rumors are real. It's, it's certainly a name that uh, we've heard for a long time to kind of put in that category where just don't be surprised if one day you wake up and and he's no longer on the roster. Uh, really talented kid. I mean, the play against Virginia Tech's one of the more explosive little glimpses of player performance that we've been able to watch over the last three or four years. And then it was, uh, and then it was just a, a series of frustrations with him trying to come back uh, from rehab and, and distractions. And I certainly wish him the best, uh, not a surprise. Uh, I'd be interested to see where he lands and what comes of him. He's a really talented kid. Yes, he committed in a Lamborghini. I believe he also immediately jumped out of a Lamborghini, went through a drill, and made Owen Popo miss uh, in, a, in an open field drill. So had, had a little bit of flair, but had a whole hell of a lot of skill too. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. Good on, on Knowles 24-7 for, for breaking that news. And uh, with LeBourne, just unfulfilled promise. You know, I, I hope he's able to catch on somewhere and, uh, and, and kind of you know, get his act together more. Sucks to see because he, he really did have some talent. At one point in time, maybe he still does. Uh, but if ever there was a year to set an example of culture and tone in in a coach's first year, it would be the year in which you're really not even 100 percent sure you're going to play any games. <laughs> you know what I mean, like there's potentially no downside to kick, kicking LeBron off the team because you may not end up missing him in any games if you don't play any games. Um, I think I'm thinking of that meme of the uh, the guys like, can't lose the games. Yep, can't lose the games. You don't play the games. You guys are on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's true. Good point. I, maybe this is kind of a shot to the rest of the team. Like, hey, there's certain stuff we're not going to tolerate, and there's certain repeated violations of things that we're not going to tolerate. And sometimes even our, our hands are tied if you repeatedly violate certain rules for which there are prescribed punishments. We'll see, man. I I, I do think Mike Norvell is trying to set the tone. I, I think in some ways some of the challenges for setting that tone were, were maybe even bigger than he could have anticipated, but. Uh, now that he's got his team back on campus, he's able to talk to them some and kind of re restart the process of trying to lay the foundation for his program, which he's been attempting to do, but at the same time, it's just not the same doing over Zoom calls. I, I think that's something we need to keep in the forefront of our minds here as we watch this process unfold. Does that make sense? Like We talked about that for a long time over the offseason, but now that things are kind of getting back to normal, 
it's something we can't forget. Like they're really trying to to set the cult, culture and the tone and, and let these kids know what they expect. And it, it is different when you're in person, when you can, you can look these guys in the eye as opposed to being on a zoom call. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, you know, it's human nature. It's, it's hard to <laughs> like say you snap at a coach or something like that. You think you're going to do that when you're sitting at a desk looking at a computer or you think you do it when it's hot, you're going through drills and maybe you, you know, made a mistake or, or frustrated yourself or just uh, revert back into bad habits. You know, you certainly, when you get back into that environment where everybody's around each other, I think the uh, situations for the old VOTR to happen are just uh, magnified by a, an amount that's hard to quantify. You know, and, and granted, some, some VOTRs, I, I don't even think should be rules. I, I might go go violate some team rules, or if I was on the team, some stuff would be team rules after we, uh, after we wrap this pod. You know, uh, if you're on the team, I guess you got to follow those rules, so. You got anything else for tonight? I feel like this is a cool little instant react. We, hell, we, we may not even be done for this week. But maybe we are. Uh, I guess we'll see. But I'm, I'm pretty excited we actually have uh, have a schedule to talk about. I'm, I'm sure we'll do a little fuller schedule breakdown, not just an instant react uh, coming up soon and, and, and look at sort of the profile of some of those teams that, that have just been added. No, I think this is a good, just a little quick hitter. Uh, thank you to our sponsors who make uh, small little projects like this possible. We'll have more for you. We've been on a good little run here. This has been fun. And uh, we'll continue to bring as much information about the program as possible to you. Uh, Big day for the basketball program as well. We'll talk about that more uh, on the next podcast. Uh, But for now, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright. And produced by Justin Robinson. Go Noles. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.